From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Stove Podcast. We've got an exciting episode for you. We have Indiana football coach Tom Allen, and then we have the teachers from the FN Sports Podcast joining us to talk. Uh, we're going to split that that interview into two spots, actually. Today on this episode, you'll hear the football conversation we had, and then we'll do a part two uh, release separate with the uh, NBA conversation that we had with them as well as it went rather long. And uh, so I worked on editing some of it out, but at the end of the day, it's going to be easier for you to hear the whole conversation. So today's episode is Tom Allen from Indiana University and the teachers from FN Sports Podcast as they cover some topics regarding the NFL. And for uh, what it's worth, we recorded this conversation before the Carson Wentz trade went down, just so you're aware of that. Today's episode is brought to you by Skull Candy. Discover life at full volume with headphones, earbuds, speakers, and more. Skull Candy is your one-stop shop for new music, culture, and audio built to stay loud. We will attach a link to the audio, uh, podcast notes for you, for Skull Candy, you can click on that link and go and find yourself a new set of earbuds. Uh, they got things uh, ranging as low as $20 that you can go and get you a great set of earbuds, uh, headphones, and other things. Of course, all kinds of different things available there for Skull Candy. We're also brought to you by Blue Cooler, and Blue Cooler has a 55 quart cooler. It's their best seller, five star rated, has a uh, five year warranty on it as well, 10 day. Uh, ice keeping technology where it'll keep your ice for 10 days. Blue coolers have been called by some the Yeti killer. They are the best coolers at the best price. We'll put a link as well in the podcast notes for blue coolers. No need to wait any longer. Let's get you now first to Tom Allen, coach of Indiana University football team. And then after that, we'll get to the guys from the FN Sports Podcast. All right, welcome into the Sports Stove Podcast. We are now joined by the Big Ten Coach of the Year and the Indiana football coach, Tom Allen. Coach Allen, thank you for being with us. Uh, you're very welcome. Great to be on your show. All right, well, let's start right away with this year. It was a crazy year uh, talking about the COVID stuff, the stuff going on in America, everything happening. Uh, how did you guys prepare for uh, the football season coming into just all the, the chaos going on in the world? Well, like you mentioned, it was a year of uncertainty for sure. And uh, it was very difficult to plan for anything. There was a lot of uh, temporary plans in pencil that got modified and changed throughout the entire process from start to finish, you know, and, and it started all the way back, you know, in the beginning, just trying to figure out how we're going to get our kids back on campus to, to get them training in the summertime. And then once we got that figured out, then it was how to keep them healthy once they were here and all the different contact tracing, guys in and out of workouts and that was very difficult, very chopped up. And then you're trying to figure out how we're going to get our season started. And then they finally got that rolling and then got four days in and then it gets all shut down. And, and then we had the big delay until we started back up in November. So it was just a, it was a very, very unique experience, a very difficult experience, probably the most stressful, you know, experience I've had to go through professionally uh, with dealing with all the, the drama and all the unknowns. But I tell you what, it's like anything else. You just, you fall back to your core values. You fall back to your foundation uh, when things go wrong or when things are hard and when things are tough and and that's what we had to rely on and I think that the, the culture of our program and the strength of our program kind of came shining through through a lot of these difficulties. Going into the season I had a college football preview show and uh, I was high on the Indiana Hoosiers coming into the year but I can't say I was six and one in the regular season high on the Hoosiers. Uh, you guys had a great season obviously and uh, you had uh, the one regular season loss to Ohio State, which was one of the most entertaining football games to watch all season, and then the bowl loss as well. But um, coming into this season, I guess, what was your guys' main goals or focus coming into this season 
Um, and did you reach all of your goals or um, kind of where does that fall into the season this year? Well, you, you talk, you're talking about the 2020 season or 21? Yes, 20 season. So basically, you know, we had going in, we have season goals, we have program goals, you know, and our program goal is always to, to win the Big Ten and do some different things with, with, we want our guys to graduate and we want to make sure we're creating uh, men of character and leadership and, and those kinds of goals that we have. And then, but for the season, our, our leadership guys and our, our leadership council will come up with season goals and we want to win all of our trophy games and, and uh, didn't get to play our second one. You know, beating Michigan State was was big for us. That's a, a the brass platoon we played for that trophy game, and and then the Purdue game, the bucket game did not was not played. That was canceled. So and then the bowl game. So we didn't reach those goals there. And so and I wanted to be able to win those. Those are those are critical for us. And and obviously you want to be able to to put yourself in position to to win the Big Ten. So you go through and and you start uh, your season off and you start winning games. And obviously the, the game against Penn State was a huge start to the season and, and to beat a top 10 team like that. And the other goal we had was to beat, you know, a certain number of top 10 teams. We actually accomplished that goal and had to reset higher goals for that once we did knock off a certain number that we had set ahead of time. So just felt like our guys did, did exceed in a lot of ways, some things that people thought we could do in the 2020 season, especially with all the – the unknowns going into it. And, you know, we, we thought for the longest time we we're going to start, start the season against Wisconsin. And then the, the, the schedule pretty much slipped. We played them at the end of the year and that ended up being our final regular season game, not knowing it would be at the time, but, but it ended up being that way. And so, you know, it's like anything else, you just adapt accordingly, but, but I, I felt like we still left some things out there that, that uh, not, not fulfilled. And which is great for, for the 2021 season. It gives us tremendous motivation and, and, and a lot of uh, fuel to help this team continue to grow and build. So with a successful season like you guys had, and uh, maybe not from the inside looking, looking at your team, but from the outsiders looking in, now the expectation is higher for the 2021 season. So what do you do to prepare your players and your team for higher expectations, at the very least from the outside, you may still have already the same high expectations on the inside, mm -hmm. uh, but to meet these outside expectations now they're on the uh, 2021 team. You embrace them. You know, we, we talk about that all the time. You know, we when I got here, you know, we uh, were very upfront about what I thought we could do at Indiana, even though not everybody agreed with me about those expectations. But I, I knew we had to create the belief in this program and we had to create belief within our team and we had to be able to change the expectations of our program. And that's been a, a gradual process to get to that point, you know. So now we're in a position where, you know, our goal is to, to win the Big Ten. And, uh, you know, we were, you know, you can say what you want, a play or two or a drive or whatever. We had our shot. We had the ball twice late in the fourth quarter against Ohio State to, to take the ball down the field, down by seven with a chance to go score. And and uh, two points wins the game and an extra point ties the game. So, you know, that's the position we put ourselves in. But here's the reality. Just because we did that doesn't mean in 2021 that you start right there. You have to restart everything. You have to recreate the culture. You have to recreate the mindset. You have to recreate the fire uh, and the edge that you've created in the past to play in the, in the given years. And so to me, that's what it's about. And so it's the culture of your program. And you realize that we have things out there that we have not accomplished here yet that we believe we can. And so that's what this team wants to do. And we got a lot of upperclassmen now. We've had a, you know, two years ago, this team in 2019 did a lot of great things, had a breakthrough year with the third youngest team in the Big Ten. Well, a lot of those guys are still here. This is going to be their senior season. So to me, I have high expectations as well. And I expect our guys to to come together, have the best offseason we've ever had, and, and come out and have the best season we've ever had. You're losing some key players from this last year's team. Your leading rusher and Stevie Scott, uh, their receiver with the most receptions. Your deep, one of your defensive leaders, Jamar Johnson, uh, leaving. Expected, I've seen as many as six players expected to be drafted out of IU this year. Um, so obviously, you're in college. You're constantly trying to have that. Uh, recruiting uh, cycle going, so you always have someone to replace the next, you know, next man up mentality. How are you guys looking for the twenty twenty one season? Losing some of these, uh, you mentioned a lot of young guys, but you lose some key older guys this year as well. We did, you know, we had uh, you know some really good players, like you said, we had two underclassmen that uh, decided to to, pro to move to the professional level and uh, be able to have the opportunity to get drafted, and we have the seniors that decided to move on as well. And so, just appreciate all of those guys gave our program, and and but that's why you recruit, you know, you want guys. We brought here, we've had 
a lot of good recruiting classes since I've been here, and that gives a chance for those younger guys to – this is their time, and they've, they've been in the wings. A lot of the times those guys were our, our number twos, and we play our – especially on defense, we play our ones and twos almost equal. So those guys that are the next guys up or have, have been playing quite a bit of football. But, uh, yeah, that's that's part of the challenge. It's part of what you want to do. You want to be able to create an environment where these guys know I can come there, reach my goals, and then have the opportunity to go play in, in the NFL. And so when those guys do that, that's great for our program. And so we're excited for that, excited for these young guys that, that we've recruited here to be able to come in and, and take their place and be able to continue to elevate this program. So that's the, the that's the rotation. That's the cycling you want to have to be able to build a, a true, legit program that has a chance to compete every single year. I read an article that talked about your recruiting philosophy and just basically saying that no matter who the kid is and no matter what schools have offered, you're going to go after anybody that you think that you can get that'll better your program. Mm -hmm. How has two things, COVID and the uh, um, the great season, how has that changed um, how you guys can recruit, who you're recruiting, those kinds of things? Well, first of all, the COVID question, I mean, it, it's made it more challenging. I mean, we're a relationship-driven program. That's the foundation of LEO, is, which stands for love each other, and, and uh, I'm big on relationships. Well, it's been harder to build those over the phone than it is in person. So not getting them on campus, not allowing them to come to the games, that's made it more difficult, more challenging. But then you, you also have to balance that with what you mentioned second, which is the season that we've just had. And that gives us a, a chance to attract some guys to say, hey, I can go to Indiana and, and accomplish all my goals as an individual, academically, and on the football field. And maybe they didn't think they could do that on the football field in the past. And so that's where that allows us. And I think the 2022 class is where you're going to really see the benefits of the uh, 2020 season. Because most of our guys were in the, two, the 21 class. They were already committed before the season even started. So they hadn't even seen this, the, the, the 2020 year had not even played itself out. And so those guys were already all in. They already bought in and they wanted to be here. And so to me, I think the 2022 class is where you're going to see that. Now, the challenge is that's the main class that hasn't been able to do any recruitment recruiting visits at all and the unofficial or official. So we just got to try to use technology and try to find a way to, and which is what we've been doing and working extremely hard at it to break through those barriers of communication and use zoom FaceTime and all different ways to be able to get face to face with people, even though it's via screen. What kind of recruit is a fit for Indiana university football? Well, first of all, you know, it's really three areas. I, I want young men that care about uh, being uh, developed as a man. And, and families that care about that, that they want their son to be in, in a culture and environment where they're going to be challenged on a daily basis to to be a, a better future husband and father one day. And, and a man that has high character and, and has ability to make strong leadership decisions and, and is, is developed into a leader. Number two is guys that care about school. That, that not that you have to be a straight A student, but school's important. It's important to you. That degree means something to you and your family. And you're going to be able to approach that academic focus at the high level that we need to have at Indiana. Number three, you want to be great on the football field, that you want to play in the NFL one day. And you you love the game of football. You love to train. You love to prepare. And, and you want those three things. And you want to be a complete, well-rounded person. If it's all about football and that's your primary goal and all you care about is going to the NFL, you're probably not going to fit in here. You've got five in-state commits uh, from Indiana for this coming season, uh, including a four-star quarterback out of Indy. How important is in-state commitments? I, you know, I live in Lexington, Kentucky, so everything's basketball around here, and everybody talks about the fans want in-state commitments, and, and it just depends on the talent level. But how big is it for a football team to, uh, to get in-state commitments to their football program? Well, it's very important to me. You know, I coach high school football in this state for 10 years. You know, my dad was my high school coach in Indiana. He was a high school coach for 30 years. And so a lot of relationships, a lot of strong ties for me to Indiana high school football. Uh, but we're not a big state, you know, numerically. We don't have a lot of numbers. And so, you know, it's, it's not really about the numbers that you get. It's getting the right ones. And guys that fit with us, guys that want to be here. And, yeah, I want to get the best players that Indiana has to offer that fit with us and, and, and are, are at the level to allow us to, to come here and help us win the Big Ten championship. And so, but to me, it's more about, you know, making sure that we get the right guys. You know, I don't want, don't want to say pick a number. You, uh, the, we've seen a lot about the transfer portal and it seems to be changing and shifting and a lot of things happen. And you guys have, uh, I think three transfers coming in that I could find at least from major programs coming into your program. How much has the transfer portal changed things when it comes to recruiting or how much time do you invest into the transfers versus, uh, just high school kids? We focus on the high school kids. You know, I, it's about player development for me. I, I really believe in that. And I want guys that we can 
get here in shape and mold. But what the transfer portal allows you to do is to kind of meet a need, you know, because sometimes, you know, due to injury or just for a variety of reasons where maybe an upperclassman doesn't finish or isn't here any longer when, he, when he's in a certain age group that you expected to have that spot filled. And so you can maybe go find an experienced player that can come in as maybe has a year to play or two years to play. And he's able to kind of plug him right in and give him, give you some immediate depth, immediate help in the position. We do not recruit junior colleges here at Indiana and, and that's not the direction we go academically. And so therefore that gives us a chance to be able to kind of do a little bit of that piece, but I never see us being heavily into that. Just maybe you know, a spot or two. Like you said, we have three right now in this class, which is the most we've ever had in a given year. How much do you as a coach have to be constantly learning, adjusting, switching? We've seen offenses change. We've seen defenses change, seen recruiting change, all that kind of stuff. So how important is that flexibility for you as the head coach and running the program? Very important. You got to be able to adapt. You got to be able to, you know, you know, do whatever is necessary to help your team be successful based on the league that you play in, based on the schemes that you're going to be facing and, and what you kind of decide and figure out is your formula for success at that university. Because it's always about fit for me, you know, fit in terms of well, the head coaches fit with that university, the staff fit for your, your, the players that you're trying to get to to, uh, to come as recruits, the coaches you're trying to, to attract to come as coaches. It's all about fit. And so to me, adapting and having a, a creating an environment, hey, this is who we are. This is the kind of young man we want. This is the kind of coaches we want. This is the kind of scheme we're going to have to allow us to be successful at this place. I think you just got to be able to, to be uh, very adaptive, makes you very more effective. All right. One more question for you. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Uh, this is a hard question to answer, I think, but I'll ask it anyways. Is Indiana a football school now? Well, here's what I would say to that. You know, I take a lot of pride in uh, our football program. You know, I'm an Indiana a born and bred Hoosier, you know, in this state. And I love Indiana basketball. I was raised with that. You know, my hometown is the home of Steve Alford, who's, you know, growing up. I mean, he was just uh, the icon of this whole state, you know, as a player and then comes to Indiana and wins a national championship. And so I want to see Indiana basketball be national champions again. And so to me, I want Indiana University to be a school that's very good, that's excellent, that's great at football. And how they decided to say all that, that's not really what I, that's not my area of responsibility. But I want Indiana to be known as a great football school. Yes. All right. We were hoping to start a controversy. We didn't get there today. But uh, Coach Allen, thank you so much. If people want to, uh, what's the best way for people to keep up with uh, your program, uh, whether it be through social media or website, what's the best way for people to keep up with Indiana football? Well, you know, you follow me on Twitter, uh, and that's uh, Tom Allen's on there. You can find me pretty quick, and uh, I'm on there quite a bit, very interactive with Twitter and, and promoting our program and our players and, and what I believe in and how you build this football team. And and uh, we got our website as well. But uh, Twitter, to me, is the biggest means that we use, and Instagram as well, and Indiana football. So it's, uh, you know, it's all about being where the kids are, and that's where we live. <laughs> Great. This uh, Indiana football coach, Tom Allen, thank you so much for spending a couple minutes with us today. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely uh, keep up with what's going on in the Indiana football world. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Take care. You're, you're welcome. All right. Thank you, Coach Allen. What a great interview with him. Now let's transition you to the teachers of the FN Sports podcast as they grade some NFL takes. Here is that interview. All right, welcome back to the Sports Stove Podcast. We are now joined by the two hosts of the FN Sports Podcast. We have Parker Ainsworth and Shaka Cummings with us. Guys, how are you doing today? Um, I'm thawing out. I don't know about Parker. <laughs> I'm doing all right. <laughs> I'm learning how to shovel snow in Dallas. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cold, cold week here in the United States, it seems like, especially in the eastern side of the United States. So, uh, Parker, you're in Dallas, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And Shaka, you're in? I'm in Winchester, so I'm not too far from you. Winchester, Kentucky. So I'm Clark County. That's right. Right down the road. I was just there uh, the other day uh, for work, <laughs> the day job. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, we are talking sports today. So the, the, you guys, in just a second, I'm going to have you guys introduce um, each other. So I'm going to have Parker, you say, tell us about Shaka. And Shaka, I'm going to have you tell us about Parker. And uh, these guys host the FN Sports Podcast. It's a podcast where two teachers, uh, they uh, give grades to different sports topics going on. Great conversations. Their most recent 
Um, my podcast episode dropped on Sunday or Monday, uh, Sunday night, Monday morning, somewhere in there. And uh, great conversation. A lot of interesting things. Always is. I'm a subscri- subscriber and a listener, regular listener as well. So great to, to have you guys with us. Uh, I'll start with uh, Shaka. Why don't you uh, tell us in about 30 seconds worth of who Parker Ainsworth is? Parker Ainsworth. So Parker is a history teacher in Texas, a football coach, basketball coach. Once upon a time, actually played on teams that I coached against. He's a <laughs> he's a sports fanatic, basketball lover, recently married, dog owner, and uh, soon to be homeowner as well. It's all it's all <laughs> happening right now for Parker. He's about ten years younger than I am. He's getting to experience all those firsts that I got to experience ten years ago when my back was good. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell how, how young he is by the collection of shoes in the background uh, <laughs> but he has an Elijah jersey so you wouldn't think he's that that young but. yeah he the was good two old years days. old when that happened two years old whatever <laughs> some of us felt that for real for real some of us are Nick fans man <laughs> uh, Parker tell us about Shaka well, so I met Shaka, having not known I played against him when I was in high school, I met Shaka when he co- uh, coached and taught at the same school I did here in Dallas. Shaka's obviously a history teacher and football coach. He taught a lot more than just history, I guess, but currently a history teacher. Bounced around DFW, Minnesota, some of Florida, right? Now he's in Kentucky. He's been all over. Uh, and we'll call it 10 more years of wisdom. But when I met Shaka, he made a comment that I, I had some like stance socks that had Olajuwon hitting a shot over Ewing. And he goes, is that a lodge one in your socks? And I was like, yeah, it's like the first day we're working together and like football getting ready to coach uh, before fall camp. And I was like, yeah, he goes, man, get those off. And I was like, oh, so where are you from? <laughs> and I very quickly found out that though he's been all over, he very closely ties to New York City, the Big Apple. And <laughs> we've hit it off ever since. All right, we're going to talk some Rockets and Knicks a little bit later in the podcast. Uh, but we're going to start off with the NFL. The NFL season is over, sadly, but... Uh, happily, that means the NFL offseason begins, and I'm a uh, offseason fan myself. But we're going to start off. I'm going to give you a couple of sports takes. You guys are going to give us a grade um, from A to, or I guess A plus to F. I never got any A pluses, so I'm not sure what that sounds like. But A plus to F. <laughs> these are some of these are my personal takes, and other of these are takes that I got. So I'll, I'll claim the ones that are my takes. Um, so we're going to start off with what I think is an easy one. But uh, we'll see what you guys think. Deshaun Watson, currently the quarterback of the Houston Texans, is a top three quarterback in the NFL as it stands today. What are your grades? Parker, what's your grade on this one? I'm going to sit at like a B minus. Oh. I'll sit at a B minus. Um, mostly because there's – anyway, I'll sit at a B minus. What you got, Shaka? So – I'm trying to think of three guys who I would say are clearly better. I'll go A minus because that number three guy, I think that he's probably just as good. It just depends on the week. Give him give him Hopkins and it looks a little bit different. Anyway, you can get into it. <laughs> All right. So we will get into it. My three are uh, in, in order would be Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. That's my top three as it sits today. And so that's where I think he is. And and we'll talk about in a moment where he should go or where you think he'll go. Um, but justify a, would you say B minus, Parker? So if I'm being honest, part of me wants to make sure I don't come off with too much of a Houston homer. But I will say, <laughs> as I look at it, I'm a big fan of Lamar as well. And so yeah. we both have Mahomes. We both have Rodgers. And I was looking at Lamar. Josh Allen just had a tremendous year, right? And so I'm like, ooh, you know, what am I doing there? I will say that as I look at Deshaun, it's hard to use, as good as his individual stats were last season, it's hard to use that as like an argument against him when we saw him play the season before when he had a stronger receiving core, right? He had Hopkins, but he also had more games of Fuller. He had stills for a lot longer. So like, you know, those kind of things too. Um and and the defense is better across the board, like all these things. I think that as I look at that, I ha- probably have in my top five, uh, top six. I will say that the difference between like a he and a Lamar or he and a Josh Allen comes down to what are you trying to do? Because those guys are way more vertically mobile, right? He, they're taking off down the field, whereas he's a lot more scramble rounds, make stuff happen in the backfield. I mean, who could forget to play against Buffalo in the playoffs where – they miss the guy off the edge and he just does that quick little spin move. And they're like, Oh, the guys, the guys on the ground. Right. Um, and he just evades it, 
dumps it off to, I think it was the fullback, shout out to Shaka, and then the guy scooted down the field, right? Like, that was a crazy play based on his athleticism behind line of scrimmage, whereas, like, the Lamar Jackson spin move we can all think about against Cincinnati a couple years back, that was down, like, 20 yards downfield going forward, right? That's just a little, like, different uses. Shaka knows I'm a big running quarterbacks guy, though. Like, I love <laughs> – and it's maybe it's because I grew up with Vince Young. Like, it, it really is, like, I, I love running quarterbacks. Parker's right, also an offensive lineman at his heart. So, like, <laughs> like Parker's three yards in a cloud of dust. Um, what, what, what I would say is that uh, the I, I agree with the sentiments that Parker expressed. What I would say is that with Mahomes is one, Rodgers is two, and I could even say one and one A. I mean, those guys, in terms of their individual ability, Aaron Rodgers is as talented a quarterback as I've ever seen in the NFL. There's nothing – required of a quarterback that I found that Aaron Rodgers can't do, right? And what we're finding with Patrick Mahomes is, yeah, he's he's probably more in that camp than anyone else in NFL history as well. Uh, when you get into that number three, like, it depends on the Sunday. It's literally any given Sunday. Like, it could be Lamar Jackson. It could be Russell Wilson. It could be Deshaun Watson, right? Um, I actually saw a take on Twitter where someone said that, you know, Russell Wilson – is better than Deshaun Watson. And my response to that was, yeah, but it, it's a lot closer than what you may be trying to intimate. Like those, those guys, it just depends on the week. If you put Deshaun Watson in Seattle this season, I don't know that Seattle's any worse than what they were, and maybe they're even a little better, right? Uh, you take Russell Wilson and you put him in Houston. I don't know that Houston is going to be any better based on the weapons, right? Uh, Deshaun Watson leads the league in passing this year. And I'm catching the ball from him. Like, it's me, Parker, <laughs> and you, Vince. That's what we got. That's his top three receivers. So when you consider that, I mean, obviously, he's as talented as anyone in the league. So any given Sunday, he could be in the top three. That's why I went A-. minus. All right. Well, I would argue that Watson could play on any team, whereas Lamar is talented enough to play quarterback on any team, but he is at his best in the right system in the setup that they are in in Baltimore right now. Uh, Russ, I think Russ is overrated. Uh, I don't think he's bad. I think he's, uh, you know, top eight, top six quarterback, maybe. Um, I think he's we, overrated. Personally. We don't let the, we don't let them Super Bowl rings do anything to you, huh? <laughs> no. Right? Okay, that's fine. That dude won it. Didn't he win in his rookie year? He a rookie. He, yeah, he got a ring. yeah. Legion, yeah, yeah of, okay. Legion of Boom had nothing to do with that. <laughs> yeah, listen, uh, listen, great, de great defense. And yeah. let they should have let uh Flynn because wasn't Matt Flynn the guy who's supposed to let Matt Flynn play then, right? Again. As a quarterback, obviously, didn't make a difference. No, Russ is Russ is a little better than top eight. <laughs> well, I, that, that's an F, Vince. I would, say, I would say I would say top six. I'll give him top six. He well, might be higher than that. But interesting I don't though, eight. in looking at Watson, is you know, we're talking even if you go want to go all the way to eight guys, he's like. The, the top eight guys, you can almost go four and four, you know, five and three, depending on who you put in your top eight. But, like, you have a bunch of guys, like, 26 and under, and a bunch of guys, like, 34 and over, right? Like, mm -hmm. there's, like, that gap. And so Watson's certainly top three or four in the younger gap there. And then we're going to watch the Wilsons and the Rodgers and the Brady. Those guys, you know, Breeze may really be done. Those guys are finally leaving at mm -hmm. some – I mean, Brady may play till he's 55, but the rest of those guys are still leaving. And so, he, I mean, he could just age into being a top three very quickly. I think football's in a good place when you're talking about quarterbacks right now. The young guys coming up, Kyler Murray, he seems to improve. Josh Allen definitely improved this year. Lamar Jackson, I think, again, I think he's so incredibly talented in what he can do. And he gets so little credit for his arm. That deep ball is beautiful from Lamar Jackson as well. Um, and a lot of it is just getting the pieces in place um, and, and seeing how it lands. Speaking of pieces in place, Houston doesn't have any. And so because of that, uh, Deshaun Watson wants out of Houston. And uh, where we, uh, where do you think he lands? I would assume I could be wrong on this. Do you all believe that he is going to be out of Houston before next season? Parker, people are more interested in your take on this. <laughs> I imagine he's out of Houston before the first actual game. You know, I, I imagine they try and string this out and see if he likes Coley in the preseason and do those kinds of things. And, and, you know, I, th I do think for a guy like Coley, it's someone ought to give him a chance. I don't mean that they shouldn't. But as I look at it, I don't imagine he's suiting up for using the first real game. Um, I, you know, maybe it's because I want to see him in f the Flora system in Miami, but I like the Miami swap a lot. Um, there's also part of me, though, that wants to see him in Pittsburgh. 
where you can also in that division has Lamar and Baker and Deshaun and Burrow. And it's like, oh man, that is the all under 26 division all like very quickly. Right. Um, and so I don't, I don't know, but I, I don't imagine he plays a regular season game, even if he suits up in the preseason before the trade happens next year with Houston. You know, I think he's got to end up, if he's going to get traded, it's, it seems like the Jets or the Dolphins makes the most sense just because of what they can offer. Um, the number two pick or the number three pick, unless they just, for some reason, love Tua or Darnold. Um, doesn't appear that they do. <laughs> <That's what Houston. laughs> Miami like, and New York don't either, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is part of the problem, I suppose. But Let, um, let me throw this out there because yeah. with the news from Russell Wilson this week about mm-hmm. – him maybe being a little discontented, right, with what Seattle has put around him. Maybe the one-for-one swap. Part of the deal with Houston, right, is that if you trade Deshaun, you need a lot for him because he's incredible. And I don't what 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 can you get where Houston feels comfortable? Like Jacksonville doesn't seem like they're gonna give up the number one pick, where okay, if we're gonna get Trevor Lawrence in, then maybe that makes some sense. Is the two pick, is the three pick enough? Maybe it's not, right? But Russell Wilson, okay, let's swap discontented quarterbacks and maybe we make everyone happy. So maybe the one for one swap with Russ going to Houston, Deshaun going up to Seattle. There's a lot of weapons in Seattle, man. I mean that 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 could be awesome. Now I'm a I'm I root for both New York sports teams in terms of football, so I root for both the Jets and the Giants. I would love for the Jets to find a way to make it work to get Deshaun in New York. Um, I think that if he goes to New York, it actually changes a lot of the fortunes for the New York Jets because free agents are going to be attracted to wanting to go play with that quarterback. Where you had to overpay to get free agents to come to play for the Jets, which is why they end up with the Le'Veon Bell and no one else is even in the stratosphere, right, in terms of trying to pay him. So what I would love to see is the Jets. Um, I do think that Houston's going to trade him before the draft because, like, it doesn't make sense to trade Deshaun Watson, except it has to make sense to do it before the draft. Like, otherwise, he could Emmitt Smith you and just not play. He's got plenty of money. It's not like he has to play. So Houston needs to do this to get the draft capital and compensation because after the draft, it doesn't make as much sense, in my opinion, unless it's for Russell Wilson. Yeah, I think uh, Carolina and Vegas are two teams to watch as we get closer to the draft. Carolina has shown they're already they're willing to give up pretty much everything but McCaffrey, <laughs> and so uh, yeah, so that's one to watch. And then uh, uh, Vegas, just because Gruden's crazy and for some reason hates Carr, and so that's what it is. I will say that they talk about like it's going to be an unprecedented package because he's a. Pro Bowl caliber, 25-year-old quarterback at a time when the quarterback's as important as it's ever been and as protected as they've ever been. So you really are getting a guy for like who knows how long, right? Um, and, and as Vince alluded to earlier, he can play in most systems. Like there's no system fit that you're worried about there. His contract's Gr- already taken care of. Like- and it's fairly friendly looking at the long, you know, how it's going to play out. The guy that will throw together some crazy, unprecedented package is John Gruden. Vince might be on something. <laughs> Actually, the guy who's known for putting together the packages that come from out of nowhere is that dude up in New England. Oh which, my gosh, no. No, no oh, one's no. rooting for that. But I'm I mean, not. if we're talking about someone who's going to put together the package that no one's anticipating, then all of a sudden this thing happens. Oh, by the way, the person who's in charge of Houston's player personnel, <laughs> that's a New England guy. So oh. something to look out for. Uh, I'm gonna make you watch the Patriots. I'm gonna gonna have to positively watch the Patriots next year, Shaka. You you watch Cam. You love Cam. You love. I do love Cam. (laughs) I did love Cam. He was he wasn't the same after COVID. I do love Cam. (laughs) Speaking of New England, let's talk about Tom Brady. You guys covered this on your (laughs) podcast this week, but I'll say it anyways. Tom Brady is the goat in the NFL, but he has never been the most talented player in the NFL. Shaka, what's your grade on that? Tom Brady is the GOAT, but he's never been the most talented. Uh, Vince, if someone's going to give you an A-plus, let me be the first to do it, because I would 100% (laughs) agree with that sentiment, um, that he is the GOAT, but never been the most talented player. Parker? I'm also really high on that. Um, Shaka heard me, if you want to hear me break down a lot more, but on our podcast, I said, you know, there some of Brady's best years are years that he doesn't win the Super Bowl. And that's not to say that there are years that, he wins the, or there aren't years that he wins Super Bowl and isn't very talented and doesn't do very well on the field. But like those first couple Super Bowls, he's turned on hand the ball off a lot. Uh, this this year's Super Bowl, when it got time to beat the Chiefs, he was turning on hand the ball off 
a lot. And then like the year that they beat the Rams, they scored 13 points, right? Like, like there, there's different <laughs> things about that, that like it, it goes, it goes to show that's a very team oriented game. Um, but the longevity matters and like being consistent matters. And again, I think his most impressive thing is he doesn't make very many mistakes and he's done it for 20 years and that all matters. And so that's an interesting way to phrase it, that he's not the, never been the most talented player in the NFL, but he's the greatest of all time. Yeah. I mean, if you think about who he is, right, he's never been the biggest arm. He's never been the fastest guy. You might argue that he at different points was as accurate as anyone, but could you ever say that he was more accurate than Drew Brees? Like, no, I mean, historically no one's more accurate than Drew Brees, Right, right? right? So, um, or even like he's, we forget how great Peyton Manning was like Peyton Manning. <laughs> most folks would have said was more talented than Tom Brady when they were going head to head. But what they would say is that Brady's teams were better than those Indianapolis teams, especially on that defensive side. Right. And uh, Parker and I have talked about this a ton. You know, I always believe that Brady, like the, the whole notion that Brady fell off a cliff at the end in New England was way overrated. He had no weapons and carried that team the way LeBron carries teams. Like that's what Brady did last year. Then he comes in Tampa this year, throws for 4,800 yards, 40 touchdowns. Like he still is as talented as anyone. And you will never lose a game because you have Tom Brady. Yeah. And it's, again, I'm not saying he's not talented, just not the most talented. Obviously he's gifted and he's got a great mind to play quarterback. And he's done all of the things that are necessary for his team to win along the way. Uh, give me your guys' uh, football GOAT rankings, your top three three uh, in the GOAT rankings of the NFL. Like Brady's going to be one. Brady's going to be one for sure. Um, I, I would say John Elway because I always felt like John Elway was the best football player that I saw live every Sunday up until Tom Brady and the winning that he was able to do at an unprecedented level. Um, and I got to go with guys who I saw, like, you know, I could say Dick Buckkiss because he was great on both sides, but I never saw him play. Right. right. Um, so I would probably go Jerry Rice in there as well, just because if we're talking about someone who did it for a very, very, very long time, like Jerry Rice was making pro bowls with the Raiders, like not, he made them plenty of them with the 49ers, but he was making them with the Raiders too. Um, so I, that would probably be my top three in that order. I, so I also, and I, I don't mean to show my age here a little bit, but I also would look at folks, most of that I've seen play. Right. And as someone born in 91, like, I feel like the right answer to this is Lawrence Taylor, but I was born in 91. Like I I don't, I've watched a lot of YouTube of Lawrence Taylor. It's tremendous. (laughs) That's kind of where I'm at. Um, and, and so I look at, oh, you're going to hit. I <laughs> I put Rodgers in my top three somewhere. I put Brady in my top three somewhere. I also think, you know, Ray Lewis fits in the top three somewhere and Ed Reed fits in the top three somewhere. And that's how crazy that defense was. It was they had both of those guys. Um, uh, I, I, I tend to think of, I don't necessarily have to have, it'd be a quarterback. I think Shaq and I've talked about before, like quarterbacks do disproportionately affect the game. So it feels like you ought to have a quarterback. The, you know, call me a homer, not a whole lot of guys could do what Ricky Williams did in the sense that they could take a year and a half off of football, lose 20 pounds, and come back and be a power back. That's tremendous. Like, <laughs> like, like I, I, so anyway, I, I was impressed by that. Obviously, I didn't I didn't think that. Uh, I also, anyway, my, my spiel on Ricky Williams could be that he's born 15 years later. He's like the greatest guy I've ever seen play. But um Anyway, I, I don't do I mostly do tiers, and so I think I just listed like six guys, and we'll call that <laughs> throw a dart at it. Uh, shotgun, man! I did not think a Ricky Williams sighting was going to happen tonight. So that's, that's you never had Parker Ainsworth on your podcast, <laughs> then, apparently. <laughs> if, if Ricky Williams, Vince Young, Kevin Durant, these guys don't come up. Like Parker's going to lose his UT card. You can't <laughs> even go back to Austin. <laughs> wait until you start talking pj tucker you can be like what why oh, i love pj tucker oh, PJ Tucker, fan. we'll get to the nba in a minute uh all right eric b here's a take for you eric b is not a head coach in the nfl because he's black i i give that an a a plus uh shaka what you got <laughs> yeah i mean um 
I, I'm probably going to go like I would leave a little bit of wiggle room for someone to maybe say that, you know, he he didn't interview well or something to that effect. Although every time I hear that man speak, he's as eloquent as anyone. And then I hear Dan Campbell speak and I'm like, really? <laughs> um, so I'm going to go a just to leave a little bit of wiggle room. But uh, if I, I firmly believe that if he were white, he would have been higher already he would have been higher last year yeah 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 i, I that's a, a year ago if not right now so there were two i thought two surprise hires this hiring cycle one of them was dan campbell in detroit the other one was in philadelphia and um, and both of those guys sound like i mean they didn't get any lessons in speaking when they played right. in college <laughs> like those guys oh my gosh you put them in front of a microphone and they get nervous and stuff and then you hear eric the enemy and it's like who sounds like a leader of men? One of, one of those guys sounds like a leader of men, and then the yeah. other one of them sounds like a WWE wrestler, and the other guy just sounds like he's way nervous. Yeah. So I, I don't know. So the Dan Campbell hire, that's the one that I criticized the most when it first happened, yet guys like Calvin Johnson have come out who played with Dan Campbell, and they supported the hire. Um, then you have the Eagles hire that just seemed like it came out of nowhere, um, which happens every year where somebody gets hired that you're like, whoa, I didn't expect that. Um, but, and, and I wonder, I don't know, I've tried to do some research and haven't been able to find if there were any jobs that were offered to be enemy and he's turned them down. Cause obviously there were some jobs open right now that you may not want. <laughs> I don't think Detroit's one that looked great. Right. I don't think well, Houston's one that looks great, especially with the, the thinking that Deshaun Watson is leaving. Um, but I was uh, those two hires um, really for me were the biggest surprises, and I'm not one. I, <laughs> so I've always, for a lot of my life, I've always said, "Oh, the topic on racism is just overblown, overblown, overblown." And the last three years, um, I have purposefully had conversations with people to open my eyes a little bit to realize well, it's actually a, a much bigger issue than I ever thought it was. Cause in my life growing up, it wasn't an issue and it wasn't an issue in my family. wasn't an, an issue in the areas I was at yet. Uh, the older I get, obviously, and the more things come to light, the more you realize, but it's still a major issue in America. And as, and it's been a huge topic of conversation the last several years as well. And so when you look at the NFL hiring cycle, they put in the Rooney rule, um, Shaka, I'd like to get your thoughts on the Rooney rule, what you think about it, uh, the pros, the cons, if it's good, if it's bad, what are your thoughts on the Rooney rule? Here's what I'll say about the Rooney rule. I think that we would all objectively look at the NFL and look at the demographics of the NFL. And we would say, based on the number of black players who are involved in the league, when you look at player personnel, when you look at coaching, you would expect a lot more black people to be in roles leading organizations, right? And so someone might look at the Rooney Rule, uh, which uh, for folks who aren't aware, the Rooney Rule requires you during your head coaching searches to interview at least one candidate of color. Like you must do it, right? And so uh, folks might look at the Rooney Rule and say, well, it's not working. Look at what the league looks like. And then my counter to that is imagine what the league would look like without it. Like imagine if you didn't have to interview a candidate of color. Guys, Mike Tomlin would not be a head coach in the NFL without the Rooney rule, which there's an incredible irony to that because Rooney owns Pittsburgh, right? Like that's the reason why the rule came about. But if you remember back to that search, guys, that was Ken Wisenhunt's job to lose. And Russ Grimm was the other guy who was up for the gig. And it was which one of those guys is going to get the job. And then Pittsburgh hired Mike Tomlin. And a couple Super Bowls later, <laughs> it seems like a pretty darn good hire, doesn't it? Right. And so what I would say is the Rooney rule, is it doing everything that I would want to see it do in terms of ensuring that people of color have real opportunities to be head coaches in the NFL? I don't know if it's doing everything that I would want it to do, but I would hate to see a league without it. Parker, what's your thoughts? Yeah, well, I would first echo anyone that's like, what do they do with Tom this race talk? You know, like like Vince said, guys like Vince and I, we're white. We walk, walk, grow up and we don't necessarily experience it, you know, firsthand. We don't see about it until we like start to, oh, and you dive into it and really, you know, learn more about it. And, and I think, you know, most white guys can point to like the first thing they realize like, oh, crap, that's a real thing. Um, and so 
without going too much into that backstory, I will say when you realize it's a real thing, you look at the NFL, you're like, man, this is a league that statistically is not that much less black than the NBA, right? Like we think about quarterback quarterbacks are white faces and that's a whole other thing we can get into too, if you want to, but like why, if it's not that much blacker elite, no, that much whiter league than the NBA, why, you know, the, all these former players can't tell you, teach more about the game. Like what's, what's going on there. And then it's like, well, the, you know, they got to have, it's a quarterback's turn into coaches kind of thing. It's like, okay, Warren Moon was a long time ago, man. Like, like, like what, like, like they're, they're coming along. What's, what's going on there? You know, uh, it, I go to Tomlin as well because I was in, again, in high school, the young guy on the, on the pod, but I was in high school when that happened. And I was like, yeah, they, they forced him to interview a guy and they liked him. So they hired him. And I didn't really understand why talk radio thought that was so crazy. Right. They're like, they hired their Ruru hired. And I was like, yeah, like, we probably get rid of that, right? Because like, I'm in high school. I'm thinking like, yeah, because he's the best candidate. But we talked about in our podcast before that diverse hiring practices help the person hiring. Like you're widening your pool. You're looking at more people. Bruce Arians just won with all black coordinators and a couple women on his staff because he was taking the best person for the job whenever a job came up, right? And, you know, if you want to listen to us break down about, you know, is, is Todd Bowles done their chance, wherever you can go download FN Sports, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, the Twitter handle is at FN. No, I'm not going to go too much. But I will say that it's it seems silly to me that we still have it. And I think that there are probably better ways to do it. But it's like Shaka said, it's like, what would the league look like if there had never been a Rooney rule? Like, you can improve it and do things to add to it, but you can't take it away. <laughs> well, it's crazy, too, because one of the things that Parker pointed out was this idea of where head coaches come from. The, the pipeline consistently gets shifted in ways that candidates of color get the shaft, right? It used to be that you had to be a defensive coordinator. More black people got into being defensive coordinators, and then it's, well, let's see what's going on on the offensive side of the ball. Then you get more black folks who move to the offensive side of the ball, and it's, well, you got to work directly with the quarterback. Then you get black folks working with the quarterback, and they hire Joe Judge. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, so I don't I don't know what the pipeline is. Right. And then it's even worse with player personnel because you could be a scout. You could be clawing your way up. You could be someone who's been in positions for 20 years and they will hire the character coach from the New England Patriots to run your franchise into the ground. Right, Parker? <laughs> well, I will say that's exactly what happened. Although at this point, it feels like I'm rooting for laundry. But yeah, that's exactly what happened, right? Um, <laughs> and I, I think the interesting thing is, is you talk about the moving targets. You talk about the is football is just a microcosm of the rest of the world, right? Like those are the exact same things happening in lots of businesses and lots of, you know, whether you want to look at people getting into law schools or like you want to go down lots of avenues looking at the ways that this impacts who gets to be a doctor of what at what practice like those things still happen everywhere football is just a microcosm and in some ways a very american version of america right um but it, it's certainly not going away and i i sit here as a football fan but we look at the b enemy thing like philly just dumps peterson but they were giddy to get him right another andy reed oc talk about the tree like the the exact same job without the same success and Patrick Mahomes is good, but like someone's helping him grow. He's only 25. Someone's helping him grow up, right? I mean, someone's there. So, well, and the one more thing, and then we can move on, Vince. But just, um, you know, what I don't want folks to take away from this discussion that we're having is that somehow we are against white coaches getting jobs. But all I'm saying is put everyone into the pot and give everyone a truly equal chance. And if that is occurring and you still come out and you take the hire that they did in Philly or you do what happened in, okay, then I guess that that's just the way that the cookie crumbles. But there's no way you could look at Eric B. Enemy and the level of success that he has had, right? Jim Caldwell got fired in Detroit after winning 10 games because the Lions said that wasn't up to their standard. They then proceeded to hire Matt Patricia, who never approached double digits and wins, and replaced him with Dan Campbell. So when you look at the, the actual record of how hiring is being done in the NFL, I think that you could ask legitimate questions about what, what goes into making those decisions. And 
is it is it something with these franchises that are consistently bad, right? That maybe there's something broken within their processes. But you, you like the NFL is crazy because in ten years Detroit will be good and the Jets will be good and Tampa. Tampa was historically a doormat and now they've got two Super Bowls, right? And once upon a time the Ravens were the Cleveland Browns. They just happen to be the Baltimore Ravens now, right? And even the Cleveland Browns were the Cleveland Browns until this year, <laughs> right? So I, hey, it, and less than less than fourteen months ago the Houston Texans were up twenty four to nothing on the Kansas City Chiefs, <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't hire the enemy off of that sideline. And look at what happened. <laughs> it's a it's a conversation that needs to continue and it will continue as well and you know there was a time like in the early days of the rooney rule where you there were so obvious token interviews you you they were bringing in a guy you knew there was no chance in the world they were going to hire it was a you know a special teams assistant to the kicker kind of a thing brought him in and and whatnot. Now the the number of legit coaching candidates out there right now of color is massive, and you see it. You see it in the Super Bowl when you got the enemy on one side, you got left which on the other side. You got Todd Bowles. You got all those assistants and other things going on there. You see it with with uh, guys who've already been fired that deserve a second chance. Uh, I'm not a huge Marv Lewis fan, but um, you know. He wasn't horrible in Cincinnati, <laughs> and, and uh, he had some interesting players on those teams. But uh, but nonetheless, you know uh, those kinds of guys. Of course, you know you've seen guys Tony Dungy, Lovey Smith um, that had success. Uh, Mike Tomlin, obviously as well. And and I just I think we're finally past. We should be past at the very least the token interview because there are so many so many well qualified assistants right now. Um, out there. And I think you're seeing it some in the college level too, and th- that needs to improve also. Um, but you always hear Kevin Sumlin's name who I did for a while come up. It's not coming up much anymore, but <laughs> nonetheless, there are guys out there and, and hopefully we're past the token interviews and we're to, and getting much closer to, we should, I hope we should already be there, but getting to the point now where it truly is best person available, everyone getting the equal opportunity to, to interview it and, and a legit shot at these, these, I mean, you're talking about 32, opportunities that's all it's there it's not there's not a lot of opportunity when it comes to head coaching and I think it starts you guys may have talked about this before it starts with the head coaches filling their staff with a talented and capable and worthy candidates as well within their staff that's obviously going to improve the opportunities moving forward and congratulations and and a, a pat on the back to Bruce Arians for doing his part there and, and Andy Reid as well and and others that are out there doing it Well, let me let me uh, piggyback on that, because as long as you have candidates that are not diverse in terms of uh, pretty homogenous listing of candidates, you're going to have a bunch of coaches sons, too, because there's Mm -hmm. there's been Schottenheimers (laughs) in the league forever. Right. I'm just saying, like, I mean, that's the that's part of the reality, too. And so you're still going to have the token interview because Britt Reed gets the outside linebacker job in Kansas City. Why do you get that job? We want to we we don't want to dig too much into that, do we? Like and and I mean and listen, Jacksonville decided that they were going to hire Urban Meyer. They just decided that, and we can we can talk about Urban and winning. Urban Meyer knows how to win. Can we go look at the track record of how he develops character? This guy taught a leadership class at Ohio State and puts out books on leadership. And go look at the record of his Florida players. And I ain't talking about wins and losses. Right. Okay. Well, and the record of his most recent hire and then subsequent fire. Right. I, I mean, it didn't, didn't take long for that to surface in Jacksonville. And this, this so. is, this, this is what won't happen for candidate of color. Candidate of color could never go in, make the mistake that urban Meyer made. And it's just cool. Yeah. Like that's, that's the opportunity that candidates of color don't get. The, one of the things that Parker and I talked about is, um, you know, Todd Bowles. And we, we, we asked the question, like, is he set up to be the next Bill Belichick? And if you start looking at parallels in terms of career, there's actually a lot of pieces there that say, wow, that's actually not that crazy a take. Except, and Parker pointed this out on the podcast, like, is Todd Bowles going to get another shot? Like, we were all sitting here saying, man, you look at that defense in Tampa and Todd Bowles deserves another shot. Guess what we don't do? 
own any football teams, <laughs> right? <laughs> Although, There's some other dudes that think that same thing, right? To be fair, Jerry Jones, I'm listening. I will take over the reign. You can do the money part. I'll take over everything else. We'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want that team. I just want – give me a billion, Jerry. Just give no. me a billion. I'll go way after that, man. <laughs> oh, I'll take half of it, and I'll sign Dak, and we can take it out of my paycheck. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right, let's keep it moving. Uh, Next topic, next take is the Philadelphia Eagles will be the worst team in the NFC East next season. The Eagles will be the worst team in the NFC East next season. So that means the Washington football team that doesn't even have a real name, the Giants, (laughs) and uh, who am I forgetting? The Cowboys. Yeah. Who are you forgetting? Yeah. All right. All right, so Shaka, let's start with you. Um, so let me just say, I don't hate the name Washington Football Team. Like that's one of the <laughs> European soccer things, and I actually think that that's pretty cool. Like, um, so I don't hate that FC Barcelona. Like, I don't hate that stuff. Um, but, um, so I don't have enough information to confidently say this. Like, my gut says. I don't trust their coach and I don't know what their quarterback situation is necessarily going to be. Right. So my gut says, yeah, that's probably a pretty high grade. So I'll go B. But what I will say is I'm still not sure what the Washington quarterback situation is going to be. Is it, is it going to be Alex Smith? Is it going to be Taylor Heineke who they just signed? Right. They just signed Taylor Heineke to, to come in and challenge Smith. And frankly, Alex Smith could just walk away. Like, listen, he got the comeback player of the year. Maybe that's all he wanted to do. And now he walks. Right. We still don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be in Dallas. If I am Dak Prescott, I'm not playing for Dallas ever again. <laughs> They're going to have to. So franchise me. I'll wait just like Le'Veon Bell waited. Le'Veon Bell never signed a tender, sat for a year, and eventually got what he wanted. If I'm Dak, I do that. Um, now, that then leaves the Giants with the most stable quarterback situation. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Um <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so the, the NFC East in and of itself is just so cattywampus that I can't confidently say Philly's definitely going to be the worst, even with the issues that they have. And oh, by the way, Jalen Hurts showed us a little something. So while we're not as confident that he's, you know, the next big thing, like he didn't he wasn't Justin Herbert. Right. But he he wasn't a scrub by any means either. He definitely had Philadelphia competitive in games. So I'll go B. That's yeah, B is what I'm gonna settle. Max Parker. So it's funny, it's like you you read it off, and I was like, Oh yeah, high grade, they're awful. And then we listed the teams in the NFC, I was like East, I was like, Oh no, that's that's more competitive than everything. Um, and it's sad. Why are we all NFC East fans? So no, so I looked at that and I so the things that this grade depends on to me are what does Philly do with quarterback, right? Um I Shaka can talk about you know, Jalen Hurts this year, we can go back and pull up the tape. I was big on Jalen Hurts coming out of college, just as like, you want him in your locker room. Like if you, you got to have somebody play backup quarterback at the very least. Right. And why not have a young kid that is clearly an outstanding young man? Like, uh, and so that was, I was high on him back then. I, you know, can he come in and win some games? He can certainly win more than whoever they have besides Dak Prescott in Dallas. Um, <laughs> But if Dak Prescott were signed in Dallas, we've also seen what that offense can look like. They have defensive issues, but you can see what that offense can look like. Um, you look at Washington. I'm not a big on Heineke, Heineken, whatever. I, he, he had a fun game. It was fun to watch him play. And I was like, oh, who's this kid we don't know about? But, like, the truth is, is, like, if Alex Smith can come back and play, like, 24 months after dying, he probably hangs it up and you probably don't know who your quarterback is, right? Um, yeah. And so – is Philly in the bottom of that conversation because it looks like Wentz is on the outs and like, can you really build a team around the second year Jalen hurts because everyone's got tape on him. He always had a sophomore slumps and he wasn't like much better than average to begin with. If Dak is in Dallas, I would think that this is a high grade. Um, I'd probably go in like the B plus a minus range because I don't know what's going to shake out in Washington. But if Dak's on Dallas, it might be a lot lower than that because Dallas wasn't very good, <laughs> and that's that. Uh, even as as good as the offense was when Dak was there, they didn't win a whole lot of games before Dak got hurt, and then yeah. Dak got hurt, and they lost a whole lot of games. And so, I I would say if Dak is back in Dallas, they're probably above Philly, and so then it's really a fifty fifty shot for worse in the division. And I would I, I'd hedge my bets there and say that's a B plus. But if Dak's not back in Dallas, I got problems. 
Before yeah, we thought, get too much uh, Taylor Heineke slander, yeah, t- we all agree that Tampa had a pretty darn good defense. Yep. <laughs> Who had the best playoff? <laughs> Who had the best playoff game against Tampa? Yeah, okay, because yeah. that, that Taylor Heineke slander, man, <laughs> that that dude was just waiting and biding his time. And there is there are weapons in Washington. Yes, like they have receiving weapons, and that dude runs around, which is. I mean, we we are all football people. I'm a defensive coordinator here in the state of Te- in the state of Kentucky. That is the worst thing to game plan against because I can do everything right defensively, and it doesn't matter. The dude just takes off and gets yards because we're doing things the way we're supposed to do. Let alone if we break down, right? Which Tampa actually did on Heineke's touchdown. Like if you go back, yeah, yeah, yeah. he runs in and then Chase Young lets you know who that man is. Tampa broke down. And now he's able to score. And there were times where Tampa played great defense. Now they they have backup safeties and stuff in there too. So there's some pieces, right? Winfield didn't play in that game, for instance. And Winfield's the dude who gave deuces to Tyreek Hill just to let you know how good that guy is. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, there's some pieces to consider. But just um, I think that Heineke, there's some stuff in Washington. Like if I am a quarterback or if I am a, a, a free agent quarterback, I'm going to take a call from Washington. I think Washington's a quarterback away from being legit contenders because their defense is so so talented. good. And they, they already won that division. They yes. already won. They already yeah. won the division. Scary yeah. Terry out there on the, the wide receiver. I mean, there is some phenomenal, and they got a good running back. They've got an okay line. They need to improve it. But um, yeah, I think I think, and I love their coaching staff. By the way, in Washington, I absolutely love their coaching staff. But uh, so that's kind of where I was going with that. Washington, I feel like is if they get the right quarterback in, maybe it is Heineke. I don't have a lot of confidence in that. But uh, if they get the right quarterback in place, they're a legit team. Uh, the Giants, if they just stay healthy, Saquon gets healthy, they yeah. need to add some wide receivers. But nonetheless, uh, they have potential. Uh, I, I like Joe Judge. I think he's doing a good job in New York as well. And then um, a Dallas, I mean, I think a full offseason for them is going to be really helpful. Personally, they're getting a new defensive coach. But, um, uh, you know, I'm not a huge Mike McCarthy fan, even though I'm a Packer fan. I liked him for a long time. Thought he should have been fired three seasons earlier than he was. But um, he's he's got some talent down there. They've got some continuity on offense as well. Some phenomenal talent. I mean, my goodness, the receivers – they go three deep. <laughs> it's like, my goodness. Right. Um, so that's where I was leading, leading with that with the Eagles. Jalen Hurts, by the way, um, you can go back and listen to my early podcast. It was, I mean, I started at the beginning of last year, so it was right around that draft time. Uh, I thought Jalen Hurts was, was going to have a top three career out of the quarterbacks drafted in that draft. I love Jalen Hurts. I hate Alabama with a passion, but I love Jalen Hurts at Alabama. I loved him at Oklahoma, and he's a winner. I compared him. Not as talented as Deshaun Watson, but I compared him to that where it's a guy who consistently won in college and won on solid teams, good teams. And, you know, he's not a he's not a throwaway. And he's a guy that you got to at least look at and and uh, go for. So I was I was on there early with Hertz Hertz support as well and stick with it. Last football talk topic. I want to get some basketball topics, uh, but uh, the Lombardi trophy toss from one boat <laughs> to the other boat. All right. Uh, my my take is, had Tom Brady not won six previous Super Bowls, he would have never thrown the trophy uh, across open water. <laughs> so, so now the lady who went off the re- relative of the person who made the Lombardi trophy, she's <laughs> she's uh, your stereotypical Karen. Um, she's crazy. <laughs> I don't support her whatsoever. But I, when I saw the video of Tom Brady throwing the Lombardi trophy across the open water to Gronk, my first thought was, man, if I, this was my first Super Bowl, I would have been freaking out. <laughs> so, uh, so maybe not a grade, just some thoughts on the Lombardi trophy toss from Tom Brady. What did you think when you saw it? Do you care at all? Um, and any thoughts on the, uh, the silversmith lady? she's she's looney tunes but i i will say (laughs) i think the more fun way to look at this is like so clearly it's his seventh one he thinks he's got another one potentially next year because he's tom brady of course like he always has that mindset like so this is not even just seven this is like seven of how many um i think the more fun question is like 
at what point in his winning of Super Bowls was he like, yeah, I can toss these around? Like, was it like after three? <laughs> or was it like, no, that fourth one, like, now, now I can kind of throw these. I got four of these. I can throw these around now. Like, what, what, what point did he get to where he's just going to toss them off of boats? Um, yeah. no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess the other joke I heard about that was like, uh, so who said Cameron Brate didn't have anything to do with winning the Super Bowl? Because <laughs> Gronk got the two touchdowns, right? Um, and, no, so I, I think that it's the kind of thing where not only what does just sober Tom Brady probably doesn't throw it anyway, yeah. um, but I would certainly imagine even in Toxie, Tom Brady is not throwing that first one in the summer of 01, <laughs> right? That, so that's if, that's my, keep in mind that there's no avocado tequila on that first one, so you know, <laughs> like, that, might, that might be that old ripple, he might have threw that one, <laughs> like it, it depends on what he was drinking on. Um, what I will say is like. 2020 was this incredibly crazy year that had such a negative impact on so many people, right? Because COVID just really ravaged everyone's way of life. Without COVID, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to have a normal parade. Mm-hmm. There is no boat toss. It's the first time I want to say thank you, COVID, because like, <laughs> I, I absolutely love that. I love the toss it around. Like, you, we, we won. Like, um, this. There are these videos of these soccer teams that win these uh, championships and then they get these glass trophies and they drop them in the club. And it's like, oh, man, like people want to get onto them. It's like they're celebrating. They just won. Like, don't worry. Someone Tiffany will make you another crystal yeah. bomb or whatever. Right? <laughs> right. If if that if that if the trophy sinks, I guarantee you the NFL will pay to have the second one made. And listen, if Gronk dropped that one, you got to cut him. And so maybe that's, maybe that's good for Tampa anyway. I don't know. I I would have been more. I would have been less surprised if it went the other way though. Like if Gronk would have threw it to Tom, it'd have been like, oh, everyone would be like, that's just right. Gronk being Gronk. <laughs> Tom Brady throws it, and we got to question his goathood. Like no. <laughs> All right, friends. That is part one of our conversation with Shaka Smart and Parker Ainsworth with the FN Sports Podcast. I encourage you to go. And uh, listen to their regular podcast as well. A lot of great conversations. We had fun talking football. We also talked about the NBA. But due to time, we're going to split that off into a separate podcast. And we'll release that one separately uh, to get the rest of the conversation. So make sure that you are subscribed and and uh, and paying attention here to the Sports Stove Podcast as that one comes out. We also want to thank uh, Tom Allen from uh, Indiana University for taking the time to uh, talk with us today. I really appreciated that time and uh, appreciated him doing that. So I hope you enjoyed it as well. Again, a reminder, we are brought to you by Blue Coolers and by Skull Candy. Both links for those places will be in the podcast notes. Please, if you can, if you're going to go shopping with them, go ahead and click on the links in our in our notes, podcast notes. That way they know that we sent you uh, there as well. We've got some exciting stuff coming up here in the near future. We are sitting down with former Tennessee basketball great Chris Lofton. We'll be talking with former Green Bay Packer fullback John Kuhn as well coming up uh, here very, very soon. So make sure you stay tuned. Go ahead and rate, review, share, subscribe, all those good things to the Sports Stove Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove.